We're in chapter 2 of 1 John, and i got to admit uh, here in our daily Bible reading that uh, the depth of the teaching in 1 John, uh, John just hammers away on the Christian life, as well as the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And maybe I should say the hope first, because in chapter 2, that's exactly where John starts. And I love this, because it's not it's not saying to you, hey, better clean up your act, you better you know start doing the right things, and maybe God will have grace and, and mercy on you. No, it focuses, first of all, on the grace and mercy of God, which is biblical which is always biblical. Um, we have no hope in and of ourselves. We can try as hard as we want. One of the words for sin in the New Testament is to miss the mark. Um, sometimes our sin is rebellion against God, but sometimes we just try the hardest we can. We don't wake up in the morning thinking, hey, how can I sin against God? But I can't stop myself from doing that. We really have a bondage of the will is one of the things that Martin Luther talks about. And we really don't have free will. I don't have the free will to say, hey, I'm not going to sin today. Um, it's something we fall into. We fall prey to. It's a miserable situation. But that miserable situation has been changed because God, <clears throat> God hasn't given up on us. And God loves us, and he sent his only son for us. So into chapter 2, we get that too. But just to kind of give you a heads up here, um, this is really a lot of just a, a, a great examples of showing how the love of God shows through us and how it ought to show through us, um, and that we can have hope in this because in the times that we fail, uh, we have forgiveness through Christ. So it starts out right away at the beginning in chapter 2. Talking, using another beautiful word about salvation, saying we have an advocate. Now, isn't it great to know that you have an advocate? Well, this is an advocate with capital A, because that advocate is Jesus Christ. How is he our advocate? He becomes the one, the go-between between us and God, who reunites us with God. And this is a wonderful word, which is the word propitiation, which if I remember right, is kind of a covering word that our sins have been covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. So it's not that they've been ignored or that God has closed his eyes. No, they've been covered. Christ covered that for us. When someone says, hey, I'll cover for you. Uh, Jesus covers for us in the greatest way um, in that. And then he says, because of that, because we know him, because we know him by faith, um, we want to keep his commandments. Uh, we want to keep his word. We look at his commandments and his word in a whole different way, not as our feeble way to try to make God love us, but because God already loves us, these are the things uh, that God wants us to do. And out of thanks and praise to God, knowing that there's no way in the world we can ever pay him for what he's given us, uh, we want to know how he wants us to live. Besides that, knowing that since God loves us this much, well, anything he would command us to do has to be out of love for us because he knows that uh, is our best. And then he introduces a word that we're going to see quite often throughout John, and that's the word abide. It's in verse 6. And this, when you see this word abide, God abides in us. It's, it's a huge word. It's a powerful word. He remains in us, and we're called to remain in him. This isn't just some kind of surface issue kind of thing, but this is to truly abide with. I go to sleep with God. I wake up with God. Um, I know that God is with me throughout all my life. Um, he's not taking a break during any part of my life, uh, but he remains with me always, 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 always there. Um, so I know that I'm not alone. Um, and then in verse 7, he brings up, he says, I'm writing to you a new commandment, but really it's an old commandment. Remember Jesus, as he washes the disciples' feet, he says to them, um, uh, here's a new commandment that I give 
to you that you love one another. And that really summarizes the commandments. I think we talked about that earlier too. Then you get to see a little bit of the heart of John as he writes to those he's um, uh, writing to with just a, a huge heart. He writes to them as those who are little children, some who are little children, some who are fathers, some who are young men. And you can just see the love that he's pouring out for them and giving them guidance direction on how to live in the world. He warns them in verse 15 that there's, as Jesus said, you're either going to love God or you're going to love the world or money. You can't split them up. If you if you love one, you hate the other. And he points us in that same direction. Wouldn't we expect that from John, a disciple of Jesus? Then he warns us about the enemy. He calls it the Antichrist. It's pretty simple to figure out that word. Anyone who is opposed to Jesus Christ and the message of Jesus Christ teaches us something that Christ did not teach us. Tries to, to say, hey, Jesus Christ wasn't an enough. I'm a better Christ or something like that is anti-Christ. I know we make a lot of that term in, in the past. We've always focused on that, you know, decide who the anti-Christ is. Notice he uses the plural there. When he talks about it, there are many who are anti to Christ. We need to recognize that. But we know the real Christ. Why would you want counterfeit when you know the real Christ? And we do know, uh, and we do know him. And he reminds us in verse 26, there are many who are out to deceive us. How do we stay uh, from being deceived? Doing exactly what you're doing right now, being in the word of God, letting the Holy Spirit speak to you through that word, and then abiding in that word. There's that word again in verse 28. Um, and now, little children, abide in him. And you're doing that by being in his word. God bless you. We're going to continue our reading uh, in First John.